0: Well, hello there, and welcome back to the New Made Parsley Podcast. I'm Maverick, and you can find me on my Burner account at gingersnap2047.
1: You cha- Wait, is that real, or did you... I'm confused. You <laughs> go you look act- it up. Did you actually change your Twitter? No. I know that you say. changed your name to Mab's Burner account, but...
0: No, just go look it up. <sighs> you gotta find out. What, what was
1: Fine. it? Fine. Well, I'm Aaron, and you can find me on Twitter at Aaron P. Friedman. I Wait, do not what was have the Burner account? account. I do not have a burner account. Real takes only. Burn, he said Ginger Snap 2047 does not exist.
0: Yeah, I made it up.
1: <laughs> if I did have a burner account, I think it would be me being super negative about Cleveland sports, though, because I try and be the eternal optimist.
2: Show commitment to the bit, math. By the way, this is Kolb's Find me on Twitter at ColbyComplains. Oh, one word.
1: Colbs. I like it. I like
3: the nickname.
2: Some people call me it.
3: Really? Yeah. Interesting.
2: None of my uh, band friends.
3: I don't have an interesting quip this week. My name is Dave Rivera. You can find me at D underscore River underscore O. Very nice. Very, very nice. Although, I will say, I was so pissed after that Cavs game. But now I think it's hilarious. Like, I'm glad I can laugh about
1: it now.
0: Yeah. How does I'm the Clevelander worried. feel about it?
1: Not at all worried. If it took us playing poorly, plus that awful charge, charge to block, plus George Hill missing a free throw, plus JR being JR for them to beat us, then I feel very confident going into Game 2 and going into the rest
0: of the series. Well, shall we get into it? Yeah, I was about
3: to say, let's just get that into,
2: that, into it then. So, where do we want to start? The charge block call? So, the yes. the Warriors beat the Cavs game one um, of the finals. Uh, there was a lot happening that game.
0: <laughs> yes. It was good basketball. Uh, it was very good basketball.
2: Firstly, like, the least interesting thing about that game, LeBron put up 51-8-8 casually.
0: <laughs> casually put a
3: 51 8 and 8,
1: you know. No triple double, he's a bum. <laughs> Not even a double double. Gosh, come on. Jeez, come on, y'all.
3: No, but 51 8 and 8 in the NBA finals. I mean,
1: what else The can fact we do? that people aren't exploding about that shows how much we expect from LeBron. It shows but how like, weird what... that game is actually. Well, yeah, that too. Well, because like, what
3: else can what else can you do? What else can you do as LeBron James? Like, What else can you do for your team? You put 51... What was it? Like he assisted or scored on like 70 points? And I hate yeah, to rehash this points.
0: conversation, but that's what we were all getting at last week is that, yes, like LeBron James is probably one of the best players in the NBA. He's easily probably the best player in the NBA right now. But what else can he do for this team? If, and if he doesn't do this, they lose but they still can't even win with these kind of protections. Well, I was
3: about to say, he did do this, and they lost.
0: Yeah, so...
1: <laughs> but the rest of the team also played pretty bad,
0: But that's our, opinion. That's the point. That was our, well, but I'm our point. saying, like,
1: that all of this... Go- the war- it took all of this going wrong for the Warriors to win, and that's why I'm confident, because that means that if any one thing goes right, because we know that LeBron's going to perform... However, like this getting into Nadal. this first
0: thing, I very much agree with you. I think the overturning of the charge was horrendous it was a terrible call by the refs
1: whether or not it was the right call whether or not it was the right call it should have never happened that's like if that is like in baseball if you are ruling on whether or not a ball was a foul ball and then changing the call to a balk it's it's two completely different things that you're looking at
0: the thing is and yes, they,
1: they they're only a lot, they're only supposed to review it for whether or not he was in the restricted area, and he was very yes. obviously not in the restricted area
0: absolutely yes while there is a rule that they can overturn these calls, the way that it was interpreted at least by myself was that they can only overturn it when that is in question, and he was obviously far outside of the restricted area yeah, so they shouldn't have been able to overturn it
1: yeah. Blocker charge is not important. The fact that that review happened at all
0: is what's egregious about it. And a lot of people cited how he wasn't completely set, but on those kind of charge plays when the offensive player is out of control, then it doesn't matter if they're still shifting.
1: And you don't need to be set to maintain proper defensive position. It's just so long as you're not moving forward.
3: Well, I don't think people are, I mean, like, even, like, past the whole, like, whether it was actually a blocker or a charge call, the fact that that even happened in a final like it, even more so that it was in a final series is just it was egregious like watching that game it was just really just i was baffled by it the i don't want to say stupidity but like the stupidity of that rule and that call and reversing that call
1: and even worse when you reverse that call it's supposed to be a jump ball not shooting free throws
3: so I mean, what do you do, like, Not
1: sure if it's rigged for ratings or money. Not sure which. All I know is that I saw it live. Sorry. Well, <laughs> like, what do you do as the NBA? Like, do you change? I got the that rule? reference, Aaron. Thank you. Well, I feel like I—I I know in baseball you can continue games under protest in the event of something like that. I don't know if there's something like that in basketball, but the Cavs definitely should have protested. But the NBA has to do something. Obviously, you can't change the outcome of the game, but you have to do something to prevent it from happening again going forward.
3: Uh, another interesting thing that happened, like, we're going to skip over the all the JR stuff real fast, I feel like, but, like, Tristan Thompson got in a scuffle with, uh, with Draymond Green.
1: I turned the then, game uh, off at that point.
3: Oh, yeah, okay, so got in a scuffle with Draymond Green, got tossed from the game.
1: Well, I think, um, well, the order
2: of that events isn't that. He... right contested an FU jumper from Sean Livingston, got thrown out for contesting, got a flagrant two for contesting that shot, and then got in a kerfuffle with Dre. Uh, But to
0: clarify, the claim was that he kind of put his elbow into it rather than trying to actually block it. But I think it was just an awkward jump. I don't understand why. He didn't even give him a, like, he just immediately threw him out. And I didn't understand that call whatsoever.
2: Baseball just scored, by the way.
1: Nice. Yeah, uh, I can't comment on the end of the game stuff. I turned it off when we were down like eight with a minute and a half left. Well, I well, think yeah, it's, also,
2: a, it's a heady I'm, play from um, Tristan Thompson to go ahead and get in the fight after you're ejected, so you can't get in trouble. That's real game awareness yeah. there. That's great. <laughs> and then,
3: and, and then in the court during the course of that scuffle, I'm pretty sure that uh, uh, Kevin Love came off the bench. Um,
2: well, which is. He didn't come off the bench because he was already on the court like before that happened like during game action he was standing on the court so technically he didn't come off the bench when that happened
3: but like he cleared the bench during the scuffle
1: <laughs> yeah
3: so like it just depends on how you uh, view it from a technicality standpoint but either way, neither of those two are suspended for game two, which uh, was a surprise to some. Because people thought that with that flagrant two that was given to Tristan Thompson, that he was going to get suspended for game two. But they downgraded it, was, it to a flagrant
1: yeah. one. Game. A, like three, I said, three. I didn't see it, but from everything that I saw, it was a really weak call.
0: It was. It very much was. Oh, that, for sure. But Draymond, oh, has, it was, Draymond has two technicals until a suspense or no. Right? Oh, God. Here we go. Something because like he got it. Because that the the because he also got a technical for that. Yeah, he got
1: t- and didn't he get a technical when he yes. poked LeBron in the eye?
0: He got thrown out too, for because that was his second. So that puts him at five. Oh yeah, so I that, forgot about the whole. More. That could potentially be another the, situation.
3: I forgot about the whole poking LeBron in the eye thing too.
0: Yeah,
3: I, I completely forgot about that.
0: So could that possibly be a strategy? Because. Obviously, uh, Draymond Green enjoys antagonizing people, especially anyone on the Cavs. So, should they try to pull the twenty sixteen and get him out of game again? I mean, if it works. I think it's a fair question to ask, like, because I, I, he can easily—he's—he likes all to that. I'm
1: going to say in response to that is that. We have Kendrick Perkins, who has a whole six personal fouls and two technical fouls to utilize, and we have not utilized them yet.
2: <laughs>
1: the secret weapon.
0: Kendrick Perkins. Player coach.
1: I mean, he's been making some smart calls from the bench.
3: So, who who wants to start off this conversation? Because I don't want to do it.
2: <laughs> okay, so, into the game... It is the Cavs end of regulation. (laughs) regulation, The Cavs are down one. Uh, LeBron has the ball top of the key. Uh, About seven seconds left. He passes it to George Hill. George Hill, who's grabbed by Clay. So call a foul. They're in the bonus. George Hill goes to the line. Hits the first free throw. Tie game. Hits the second free throw. Or misses the second free throw.
1: JR, JR grabs
2: the rebound. It looks like he has an open shot, and he turns around and sprints away from the basket. LeBron is shouting at him, pointing the other direction. He passes the ball to George Hill, who gets blocked on the three-point line. Uh, Draymond Green.
0: And how much time was left? Overtime. How much time? Second. Left? Four point seven seconds. This three, is what three, Chris three. Jenkins was supposed to do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and.
3: the they had the both teams had a timeout. Okay, so so but the Cavs had a timeout that they could have used.
2: I mean, are gots. you expecting J.R. Smith to not shoot for the first time in his life? I wouldn't have called a timeout either. <laughs> but,
0: no, he I was, know. But like he was virtually see, it, wide open under the basket. Yeah. And even if
3: you even if he didn't want to take that shot, LeBron James' closest defender was like fifteen feet away from him, so he could have passed it to LeBron. Which I would have done in that situation anyway. Just pass that ball. Give the ball to LeBron. <laughs> like Nobody like, else needs to be handling the ball with under ten seconds. Like so you're was... expecting
2: J.R. Smith to think
1: here. <laughs> I
3: I swear he was... had some henny in that Gatorade bottle, bro.
1: <laughs> 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 That's JR's secret stuff.
0: That's secret stuff. He literally had a wide open look at the basket. Like even with Katie's length, I don't think he could have contested that shot.
3: He's an NBA player. He could have made that layup from right there.
0: Oh my gosh. That was so stressful and I was so frustrated with that. Like I kept yelling like "Call a timeout or something." Why are you not doing anything?
2: So, question: Do y'all think that he was running towards the other basket?
3: I, I don't know because, like, okay, that was the equivalent of like watching like little stupid kids play T ball, and then they run like when they hit the ball, they run the opposite way, <laughs> like like they run the opposite way through the bases. Like that was the that was like the professional equivalent of that.
1: Would it have been worse if he ran towards the wrong basket or if he threw the ball in the air in celebration?
3: Oh, if he threw that ball in the air, it would have been way worse because then he couldn't wiggle his way out of being like, I thought we were, I thought we were, now, or I thought we were tied, or like I knew we were tied.
0: Okay, okay. I'm, I'm going to take one from Twitter and say that he reverted to recreation basketball rules and that he had to <laughs> take it, yeah, he had to take yes. it out past the arc before he take could take the, the play shot play after a rebound. <laughs>
2: Even then, he's on offense. Like, what? What is
0: happening? No, I, I was so understand. frustrated by that sequence of events. Like, I, just, I, I was so mad.
3: I just don't understand the reasoning. Yeah, I, don't
0: know. I was. I was flabbergasted. I
1: don't, I don't. I don't have any takes about it other than that. Jr. is kind of stupid. The end. I,
0: I mean, yeah.
1: Like, there's like, not really anything else to say about it.
3: Well, I'll take the anger
2: from you because I was so mad after that. Yep. So mad. Like, wh- what are you doing?
0: <laughs> because once again, this is the stuff that LeBron has to put up with in the and finals. the thing is, you can't
2: bench him because who are you going <laughs> to put in his place? Put it- in Korver.
3: Uh, he's not a good enough defender. At least J.R. Smith can, like, kind of defend. Kyle Korver's, like, uh, like like a like a an injured sheep
1: korver has been solid on defense this offseason. He was I solid very... on
2: defense for one game against the against the
3: Celtics. We have very different definitions of solid.
1: Especially for Corver, he's been solid.
3: Mm. Solid for his own standards is still not that solid.
0: Hey, Gelatin is solid. But it still wiggles. Is it?
3: Is Gelatin a solid? I feel like it is.
0: Houston's collapsing. I could be very wrong. Now we're getting to science.
3: Wait, 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 hold on. Pause. Wait, Kobe, what'd you say?
0: Houston
2: is collapsing.
3: What's the score? Uh,
2: it is now five-three, bottom third. One out. Uh, someone. We got a man on second.
3: Yeats. Giving the. Giving the, the listeners live updates I... on UNC baseball.
2: Okay, so Jello <laughs> is a sort of semi-rigid structure suspended in a liquid.
3: That still doesn't answer my question or the question at hand.
2: It's a.
1: Wait, when it means when it means suspended in a liquid, does that mean that there's liquid inside the Jello?
2: Uh, the jello is being kept together by a liquid so it's a protein structure that's being held together by a liquid
1: so is it, it solid?
3: solid
2: it's a colloid whatever that means you know colloid. like the
3: little, you know like the little dial up sound from, from old internet stuff that's what's going on in uh, in in our heads right now
2: it's a homogeneous, non-crystalline substance consisting of large molecules or ultramicroscopic particles of one sus- substance dispersed through a second substance.
0: If that makes sense. That escalated quickly. <laughs> we, sure. went, we went from Kyle Corver to gel. But that is my fault. I, I take I've that. taken
1: many chemistry classes, and that does not make sense to me.
0: You know, it
3: does make sense to me. Winning a bet.
2: So it's like if you took salt <laughs> and put it in water, but when you put the salt in the water it would like if what like you took that mixture and dumped it out, it would take the shape
0: of the glass. So you what had. you're saying is that it melts in but your mouth and not in your or hand. A liquid? It's neat. it's M Ms. It's M M's.
1: Yeah, M Ms are solid. It
0: it's melts in your mouth and not in your hand.
1: But M M's do melt in your hand if you hold them there long
0: enough. That's the slogan the of problem. M&M's, okay?
3: What is happening?
0: I don't know. <laughs> Caps in five. I, maybe this is what J.R. Smith feels like. This, maybe <laughs> this this is this what J.R. Smith is thinking about? <laughs> With 4.7 seconds left in the NBA <laughs> Finals game. <laughs> this,
1: is, this is what's going on in Patrick's head in the episodes where we see the gears turning and smoke coming out of his head.
2: The inner machinations of my mind are an enigma. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, so is Dan Gilbert talking about J.R. Smith on his Burner account? Probably. Most I would likely. doubt it. Can't be too Holy careful God. nowadays.
2: So, speaking of Burner accounts, are we? Or do you want to talk Game 2 before we move on? Actually, how many, games, I, how many I, games are between now and our next recording? Game just, 2
1: and Game 3. I think Game 4. So it's it could very well be decided Wednesday, Saturday, right?
0: Hold on. I think the biggest thing, for, at least for tonight, to look for, uh, they reported yesterday that Clay Thompson still was dealing with some uh, the injury that he sustained. Uh, yeah. When J.R. Smith accidentally slid and like undercut him, so that could he might not be a hundred percent for tonight. And I so, think that's what helped the Cavs. In game one is that they didn't get a, a super clay quarter and they didn't have to deal with that
2: so game two is tonight as we record um june 3rd game three is wednesday in cleveland and game four is friday so there's a possibility this series could be over the next time we record
1: so you're yep. saying when we record next the Cavs are going to be a 3-1
3: No, that's not what we're saying. (laughs) Absolutely not. That's what you're saying.
1: (laughs) Cavs in five.
3: Okay. Which brings me to my next point, Aaron. David. Did you not say, did you not proclaim from the mountaintops that the Cavs would sweep the next team they played?
1: And then you know what I said, what would happen if they lost game one?
3: That you'd move it to, to Cavs in five? Yes. Even though that's not the bet we made? Is this
1: podcast I, I, okay, really can, a
2: mountaintop?
0: <laughs> oh, yes, can, let me
1: Okay, uh, I, I admit that I lost the bet, so you're going to virtually slap me? From <laughs> right my here. Cheek, <laughs> my cheek is right here. Do it.
3: <laughs> no, nah, I get to cash in on this later. Do you want me okay. to call
1: Andrew up here? He could slap me on your behalf.
3: That would actually be fantastic. I'll actually accept that as a form of payment for this
1: You belt. would rather have him slap me than you do it yourself. I
3: mean it's a proxy slap.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well I'm not making him come up here right now, so maybe later. It's,
3: we can post it on the on the Twitter.
1: So. <laughs> yeah.
0: That proxy slap re- is my That'd favorite main
2: rock album from the nineties.
3: <laughs> proxy slap. <laughs> but um does anyone have any uh, any hot takes after this game though, after game one though? Any any super ethering hot takes?
1: So you're saying Cavs in five isn't a hot take?
3: Okay, no, that is a hot take. Any
1: but other <laughs>
2: smoldering takes?
3: I think the Cavs blew their one chance for this series to get a, a stranglehold on the Warriors.
2: Because now they have to win four games in six. Four games yes. out of six.
1: Just need to win and one they... road game.
3: But, I mean, they had, they had this road game, is my point. Like, they had it in their hands.
1: Fair and, point.
3: And, like, I'm saying that this was a... They're, they're, the golden opportunity that they had in their hands and they let it well I'm not gonna say they because JR let it
0: slip away. Yeah. I mean I hate also, to say it about the
2: warriors aren't the Celtics, they aren't gonna melt yeah. down on the rim No.
0: I like I hate to say it about a game one, but the, it's just how it played out. This is one of those games where it can potentially like break the spirit because you do everything you think you can and still come up short. And so they have to be on fire and come out the gates again. And don't let that deter them. If they will have
2: see. a chance. We shall see indeed.
3: I'll tweet it out from my burner account. <laughs>
2: Speaking of which, um... Segways. So, is anyone besides me here a process truther? Can you explain what that is? Like, one that believes that what Sam Hinky did to get the 76 uh, series, the team they are, that was the right move to to get them there.
3: So you're saying that all of his his uh, everything that he did in free agency and the draft was the correct,
0: like including you're, you're, tanking. You're, you're asking tanking. us if we trust the process, basically.
2: Yes,
3: I trust, I the, trust process. the
0: process. I trust the process.
2: I, I am a
1: process truther.
3: I think that I think that the Celtics are better at the process, <laughs> but I trust the process.
1: Well, I think that the Sixers got incredibly lucky that they drafted players how many, three out of four years that were injured the year they drafted them, and that all but one of them turned out?
2: Rip Drew Okafor. I don't think, I wouldn't call what the Celtics did the process. I think the well, they Celtics... Never had to,
3: they never had to tank. It's a different process, but it's not. It's still a, it's still a version of the process, because I would argue that the 76ers had to tank their way to the through process, whereas Danny Ainge just hoarded every draft pick in existence. Well, and, I'm talking uh, about he also got lucky.
2: specifically as okay. being the
1: process. Ainge okay, also then, yes. got lucky that the Nets offered him one of the worst traits of all time.
3: <laughs> That's also a very fair point.
1: So, but, uh, uh, personally, I think that, obviously, in retrospect, it seems like it worked out, but the process, everything that they did had to go right... Because they had three injured players that they drafted.
3: I mean, let's see, because they, they drafted Joel Embiid, Markel who was, Fultz,
1: and Ben Simmons.
3: Ben Simmons. They also drafted Jaleel Okafor, remember? And they
1: drafted Nerland Noel when he was hurt. Yes. So they drafted yeah. four players in five years that were injured. And out of those four players, two of them definitely turned out too early to say on one, and one they got rid of.
0: Well, two, they got rid of... Yeah, they
3: got rid of... Well, but I'm saying out of
1: the four injured players...
3: Yeah,
1: okay. Okafer... Well, the problem with Okafer is that he can't rebound and he can't play defense. So he's like a poor man's Enos Kanter.
2: It's not that he can't play defense, it's that he doesn't play defense. (laughs) True. But anyway, all that to say, for (laughs) me personally, I think... I thought getting rid of of bad was the wrong decision...
0: Um, Oh, yeah, no, I agree. Oh, yeah. Which
2: brought them to hiring Ryan Colangelo, who allegedly has been tweeting... Well, not allegedly. Confirmed one... He has had one Twitter account, has had one Twitter account, Sixers1234567. Wow. (laughs) Where he was tweeting... Semi... Um confidential stuff about things going on in the Sixers organization that would be damaging for other people to hear.
0: Because didn't he didn't it? he allude to the Markel Fultz? or didn't he allude to the trade, I guess, in one of those posts.
2: I think let me let me see if I can find the tweet real quick.
1: Hold on. I know that one of the worst ones is that he said that Markel Foltz's trainer was having sex with his mother, and that's why he let him change his shot, or something of that sort.
3: Jeez. <laughs> Yikes. Wasn't there also a theory, I mean, I don't know if it's a theory or if it's confirmed or verified or anything, but that it was Brian Colangelo's wife that was tweeting from Burner Accounts?
1: Well, I saw that that's they were at least they were at least speculated to be registered to her, because... The recovery phone number ends in 9-1, and his wife's phone number ends in
2: 9-1. So, um, this was all reported just to give um, credit to some really good like actual investigative reporting, whether it was necessary, uh, but, like, good investigative reporting from Ben Dietrich at the So. <laughs> I thought you
3: were about to go into uh,
1: a into monologue. Yeah, I thought you were no, about no,
2: to. Say no, no, no. That. I just wanted to give credit where credit was due.
1: Ah, gotcha.
0: I mean should he be fired? Yes. I, I believe so.
1: If he's not fired then Re-hire any ch- and well I, if if he's not fired then any chance that they have of getting LeBron goes out the window. Or should go out the window.
3: Well, I think this whole dysfunction is a little bit already done its damage.
1: Yeah. I mean well, I was never worried about LeBron, but I would agree. Has the Eric <laughs>
2: Junior account confirmed
1: to be him? I don't. Think I don't know, so. but I think they're all like all but confirmed.
0: Yeah, yeah a lot of it's just circumstantial. At this yeah, point.
2: but these circumstances are.
0: Huh.
2: So this piece is still being updated as things go on, but I I feel like he has zero credibility left. Yeah. As and a did, gym within they say the organization. He, didn't
1: over. they say that he also had alleged burner accounts when he was in Toronto?
0: Perhaps. Well I forgot uh, who exactly was talking about it. It was one of the reporters on ESPN. They were saying that most of management for NBA teams have at least one burner account where they can, like, hear feedback from people and, like, look into certain things. But Well, that's I think like it, people, I, I think
1: always, it, people always conspiracize that organizations post on Reddit to gauge responses to, uh, like, trades that they're thinking about doing or, like, that Apple asks for feedback subtly on Reddit. And I don't know. I could see it I think it that's different, though, than
0: actually, like, talking badly about your players engaging and, in trash and, talking yes and then
1: well, like I potentially think leaking
0: information and it's like, like I think that that's a but they story. do it
1: uh, in reddit comment sections it's not yeah. like they post on reddit we are the cleveland browns who do you think we should draft no, number one like i
0: get that and I, I honestly don't really see much as much of a problem with that i feel like they can gauge that information if they want to but when you yeah. yourself are giving out information that shouldn't be given out to the public that can be an issue there is yeah. some
2: circumstantial evidence pointing to um, him having a um, uh, him having a Berneger account while he was in t- Toronto, according to this Ringer article.
3: Interesting.
2: I
1: think in that if Toronto he ever State. has, boo! If he ever has another job with any NBA franchise, color me shocked.
2: Javale McGee starting tonight. What over, color is that? Um, Looney?
1: That'll be funny. Interesting. So, anything
2: else with the burner accounts? Do any of y'all have burner accounts?
3: Uh, I'm probably gonna need to get one soon, or at least one that's not under my current name. <laughs> <laughs> just because I don't know. I feel like going private is probably gonna be end up being the way I go. But I would love to have a burner account. I was gonna, just well, talk make your
1: current one your burner account, and then make your normal one like just your band director, Yay Band Twitter. Yeah, that's probably going to be how it
0: is. <laughs> I think that's smart. Well, I forgot you have students potentially following you now. That's a thing.
3: Yeah, exactly. So, we'll see.
2: So, let's talk about something we didn't get to last week, um, which is funny because this has been a wild week on Twitter. This has kind of really died down,
0: but I still have yeah. some... I it's, still been have week. I still it's, it's been, been a, a fun week. It's been a fun week.
2: Yeah. So, let's talk about the NFL's new anthem rule. So, does anybody else want to want to take it or should, should I? Like I don't mind doing it.
0: We can just do a basic overview of it for anyone who isn't aware.
2: Yeah, so the NFL now has a policy approved by the approved by ownership that the players if they are on the field are required to stand Quote unquote, I don't think it's the direct quote, I'm not going to say that, I take that back. Stand respectfully um, during the anthem and not make any like um, protest like gestures while they are standing on the field. If they would not like to stand for the anthem, they can go to the okay, so locker is, room. And if and anyone is found like not complying with that there will be a fine issued to the team I believe that's correct
0: Yeah, I think both teams and players can be fine uh, I'm pretty sure no I'm pretty sure all the
3: fines go towards the team and then it's
2: up um, to the team to decide if they want to give it to a specific exactly. player or not okay. yeah
3: exactly
2: okay. so yes that's the new rule I have my takes on it but I want to hear what y'all think first
3: um. So, just to clarify, because the NBA kind of has a. No, I'm not gonna say they have a similar one, but in uh, the NBA has a. Um, and the key difference here is that it's um, what's the word I'm looking for? Collectively bargained. Um, yeah. Uh, a clause in all of their contracts would state that all of the players need to be out and standing for the vote.
1: But also, the NBA lets their players be very politically active on and off the court.
3: That, yeah, that which, was my next which point. Which
1: is, is a is a very necessary distinction from how the NFL goes about things.
3: Yeah, the flip side of that was I was going to say that the NBA allows their players to use their visibility more so for their own personal causes than more so than the the NFL does. The NFL has been uh, or has had a reputation for being a little heavy handed. Uh,
1: the,
0: the no fun league.
3: The no fun league is 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 what it is. It's basically what they've become.
0: I definitely think that was the biggest thing for me is that this was agreed upon by the ownership, but this was not really the, the Players Association didn't really have much say in this. Uh, I don't think they had policy. any say in it. And so I'm pretty sure they didn't have anything. I think no matter, this might be going way too head because we still got to talk about all of it, I think that it's it has to be discussed in the CBA talks. Is that next year or two years from now? It's coming up soon, I'm pretty sure. It it's has one to, of those. It's one it of has those. to be in those talks, and I think something could be changed, and things could be changed about it, because just from a reaction thing, I, I definitely think it's kind of like a sweeping under the rug sort of thing.
2: My thing is, it seems so unnecessary for the league to put this rule in, because one... I don't have the exact numbers, but by week 17 of the season, the number of players kneeling was either in, like, the 20s and teens. It might have even been single digits. In the playoffs, zero players knelt. The Mm -hmm. kneeling fad, I'll call it, like, the cause that they were advocating for hasn't gone away, but the physical act of kneeling was. So, to put in this rule, reignites... A fire that the players had that was already dying out, I feel like if the NFL actually wanted this to go away, they wouldn 't do anything
1: and it wasn't it, it yeah. wasn 't even a big deal in the NFL until the owners made a big deal about it in the first place
2: so i I just see it as incredibly unnecessary, and to talk about the the NBA thing, I think it 's worth noting that. It's not a problem in the NBA because, like you said, they they have those outlets to be vocal. And Adam Silver, even David Stern, in his time as commissioner, really didn't police this that side of what the players did. Or this uh, the um, Abdul? Oh man, I did not remember. Abdul his name.
3: Ralph. Um... I can't remember. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah,
2: there there is a player that did similar demonstrations in the, what, late 90s, early 2000s, something yep. like that. Yes. That some people tried to compare to the Colin Kaepernick, Eric Reed situation, but it's not because he wasn't blackballed from the league. I think he played for a couple more teams after after he started doing I believe, that.
3: I believe he was suspended a few games, but after that, it's not like he was kicked out. Like, he, exactly, he was not blackballed from the entire yeah. league.
2: So I'm just amazingly frustrated by this.
3: This kind of just like puts in like this kind of confirms my theory that the NFL is raw. No, I'm not going to say it's on its way out now, but it's it's just one of those things that unless I see some major shift in their in their whole paradigm, I feel like it's it's kind of a going to be one of those dying out things. Like, you know? Cuz I feel like they're trying to be too heavy-handed with everything and uh whether people like it or not, it's becoming so politically charged. Whether it's because of their own doing or other people's doing, it's now become something that I don't think they can control anymore. That on top of the concussion stuff that they're already dealing with.
2: That's the kicker right there.
3: Yeah, this isn't even the most damaging thing towards the NFL right now. Yeah, I mean, if you want my opinion, I think you should just stop doing the National Anthem during sporting events. I think it's it's... I mean, I mean, I don't want to rustle or ruffle any feathers. Really, oh, I will but, if you don't. I mean, but it's just so. <laughs> it's just this. It's just a false sense of patriotism that it's. It's. In, I don't know. It's. I
2: I think it's real telling when, when those receipts came out that um the league was was charging the the armed forces to do those flyovers. I think that's really telling where their where their minds and wallets were. Yep, but. I mean, I don't think it's necessary. I think it's a little weird I really and don't.
3: strange.
2: And I'm gonna I am going to. I think it's the same thing
1: as, like, how in most elementary schools you say the Pledge of Allegiance every single day. Like, I was at my high school's commencement this past week, and they did the Pledge of Allegiance. I say they did because I did not participate. I stood respectfully, but I did not say the Pledge because I think it's quite totalitarianist and fascist-like. To pledge allegiance to a flag
2: i also don't i don't like the aspect of the league being able to decide like who's standing like the most respectfully or the least respectfully, like what does that mean who is policing that It just seems overly complicated, which the league seems to be a fan of
1: <laughs> yes i'm
3: interested like if 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 there was a player that stood with their fists in the air uh would they get suspended or fined or something like that? Because it's, quote-unquote, not respectful.
2: I know in the Olympics class, we, like, we talked about, like, the the John Carlos, um, the 68 um, Mexico City Olympics where they did the fist in the air. But there was also an Olympics where there were two um, Americans on the medal stand who just kind of, like, stood there and, like, talked and, like, were giggling about whatever they were talking about on the metal stand, and were similarly reprimanded. So, like, what is standing respectfully? What is a protest gest- gesture? Like, what does that all mean, and who gets to decide what that is?
3: And then, another aspect of this is that there are, I believe it's the, the Jets owner and the 49ers owner, I might have the 49ers owner wrong, but said that they would pay for any fines that came towards the those teams uh, if they decided to, pro- if any of the players decided to protest.
0: And so in that case, I'm not really sure what this is going to solve because I don't think being fined is what is going to scare people or is what's going to change things.
3: Yeah, so I don't know how that'll work out. And in another layer of this is that if if uh, or, or certain or players can choose, I don't know if it's players or whole teams, can choose to stay in the locker rooms for the national anthem in place of whatever protest they're gonna were planning on doing.
2: And I feel like that looks a lot worse having a whole team not on the sideline than a couple people (coughs) kneeling. Yep.
3: But you said it not me.
2: (laughs) If (laughs) you if you're going for optics, that's the one
3: that looks a lot like imagine seeing like a fourth of a team or half of a team on the field for
2: well, no teams
1: or no teams. It's, it's it's like it's like the picture of the Patriots at the White House last year versus the picture of them there three years ago. How well, did it
3: used to be? Sorry, didn't it used to be that there were no teams on the field during the national anthem? I yeah,
1: until right. yeah, the true. Department of Defense started paying for the flyovers, the teams were still in the locker room for the national anthem.
3: But now that because they've now because the NFL has created the situation, now it'd look really bad if there were no teams out on the field.
1: Yeah, totally.
3: So, uh, in a word, I would call the rule change idiotic. But I mean, I that kind of is my attitude towards the NFL in general. I'll watch Panthers games, but outside of that, I, I'm wholly disinterested in this NFL season right now. Just be, And it's not even for reasons, like, I, I just am starting to really be frustrated with the NFL as an organization. And I don't want to sound like those, ah, boycott the NFL people. But, I mean, it's like, I'm not boycotting, but, like, I'm just now actively disinterested in them as an organization because of their, uh, I don't even want to say politics. but You their, know, the uh, NHL
2: never has these problems.
3: <laughs> yeah says the insecure nhl fan (laughs) we'll get to that later notice (laughs) me
0: (laughs) please like my sport
2: (laughs) (laughs) all right aaron let's talk baseball
1: okay um so i only have two things to talk about first of all is that rob manfred is trying to surpass the nfl making the mlb the no fun league he has fined Mike Clevenger, who is one of the Indian star pitchers, I believe now four times this season for having his cleats be too colorful. Clevenger is an artist and he, like, makes art on his cleats. And he has gotten, he got fined three times this season for them. And then this past week he got fined because his cleats were too colorful, even though they were 51% team color. And. Like, I just don't get the po- It's like when the NFL fines players for wearing colorful cleats. I don't get the point of something as dumb as that. And if y'all have opinions on that that's differing, then please voice them.
2: I think uniform rules are silly. <laughs> like, if you're, if, you're wearing, if you're wearing the jersey and the pants, like, I don't
1: care. Especially because the NBA lets you wear, like, essentially anything you want. As long as you don't have the NBA logo upside down a la Rajon Rondo.
2: I hate college football's uniform rules. I think they are silly. Same. Oh, they're racially charged. But I also think that it just, it's just, <laughs> it's dumb. Like, if a man wants to wear a crop top, let him wear a crop top. Like, who?
1: Well, <laughs> I agree and disagree with that because a crop top can pose an advantage for the player wearing the crop top, but that's not necessarily, uh, that's not like a reason for or against it. That's just something to consider.
2: hanging out of their pants or like their socks not being all the way up to
1: their... Yes, I agree with that. Anyways, my other point in the baseball corner is that uh, Diamond Heels have been playing very well. We are in the regional final right now. And Up five in the Houston. bottom
2: of the fourth with a man in scoring position and another first. Let's and go. last
1: night, uh, time. Josh Ledowski had an amazing throw um, on a momentum swinging play in the seventh inning. We were up three to two with one out. Houston had a man on third and they flew out to right and Ledowski put a throw right on the money and got the guy tagging up, and that was a huge momentum swing for us because it would have been a tie game with two outs instead of us coming up to bat up one going into the eighth inning. So, shouts out to Josh Ledowski for not necessarily saving the game, but doing a big part in our win because we only won by one run, one run last night. Lit.
3: I believe I just I just checked the score, and I think it says 8-3 right now.
2: Yeah. Liddy. Thanks, Aaron. I said that like 30 seconds ago. <laughs> well,
3: um, The Google Hangouts is cutting in and out so I might have missed that. Gotcha.
1: Also, Michael I Bush gotcha is playing amazing. In Friday's game against A&T, Michael Bush had 5 RSBI. His OPS is like 1.1 on the season, and he has 11 home runs. He's been fantastic.
2: Content Corner. For us to talk about what we're... Doing recently, <laughs> I have something that Go I can talk it. about if y'all don't have anything. Um, I listened to Daytona. Is that the name of Push T's
3: album? <laughs> yes, it is.
2: Uh, we, we can talk about like the juicier parts of that album later. Um, but just as a whole, I mean, album, if you want to call it that, is glorified. Seven tracks. It's seven tracks, it's 21 minutes, it's not long. Like, if you yeah. want to like listen to it, I highly recommend it. Um, it is coke rap, so if you're not listening to, if you're not interested in listening to people talk about selling coke, like you probably won't like it. But I thought it, the production was great. Um, Pusha can rap, like he can he can go. Um, I don't think that was
3: ever a question, though.
2: Yeah, but I, I haven't I hadn't really listened to um, any of his stuff before, so yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Okay, dog. Um. It was Kanye on the, on, um, on the beats, which I, don't, I haven't listened to Ye. I'm not going to listen to Ye, but from what I've heard, um, it sounds like Kanye is no longer reserving the best beats for himself. Um, because, good yeah. lord, that's a great, that's an impeccably produced album, Daytona is.
3: Ye is meh, in a word.
2: Also, Rick Ross. Good to see him again.
3: <laughs> Rick Ross. Oh, he was in the hospital for a while, wasn't he?
0: He was. That was a couple months ago. So, good to see him. Eating more pears. Walking,
3: walking around, rolling around, I don't know. <sighs> <sighs> <Whoa>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else got anything? Um, starting tomorrow, when my physics class starts, I will be reading Cutnell and Johnson's Physics 9th Edition. <laughs> Lots of fun.
3: Fun, fun, fun. I'm watching Narcos. Nice. I I just finished season 1 of Riverdale and I am starting on season 2. Yay.
2: Oh, I um picked season 2 of Riverdale back up. Very enough. Good.
1: Nice. When we, we, we all finish, we need black to have some reactions.
3: I okay. have my I've watched two, uh I think one or two episodes in of one episode into to season 2 and I already have a theory on who the black hood is. So stay tuned.
2: I have I ha- I have some stuff
1: cooking in my head.
3: Cooking. The black
1: hood is stuff. Sabrina the teenage witch. Oh
2: my god, that would be the best reveal. That would be the most the best
3: amazing twist.
1: Bro. That would have been so funny if that was. It's that. not Sabrina, it's Salem the Cat. <laughs>
0: Salem the Cat. It's actually it's Jason Brian Bl-
1: It's Jason Blossom.
3: It was actually Jason Blossom the whole
2: time. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually Jerry Blossom game. <laughs> All right, we're gonna skip the the movie corner uh, for, now. for now. Put that at the end since we're gonna have spoiler talk and jump into Twitter questions. Um, uh, so first, I only have a couple this week. Uh, first from Sarah McCullough at Sarah underscore McCullough. Uh, wants us to talk about Colby's bitterness towards hockey as a sport, and I'd like to clear something up, please. I'd like to clear my good name. I like hockey; it's fun. I've been to a hockey game. It was a great time. I'd go back. I'd work for them if they gave me a job. Um, <laughs> sorry, me. sorry, I'm back. Fire Colby. <laughs> but m- I cannot stand please like my sport Twitter. It is the worst. It is the most annoying thing on the planet. People begging anybody to like, like hockey and watch hockey when the more popular... NBA finals are on like well look when there aren't any games on sure we'll turn on hockey but when nobody's talking about hockey and you're, or when there's no hockey happening and you're still talking about hockey in reference in comparison to other sports no one cares
1: if someone says to me I have me, tickets though. to a hockey game do you want to go I'm not going to say no but I will never well I, I won't say never ever but in the present state I will never ever spend money on a hockey game You should, they're fun. Well, I mean, yeah, but like, I would rather watch baseball, basketball, football, field hockey.
3: It's low on
1: my list of sports to go out and watch.
3: And I saw, uh, I think it was Dragonfly Jones tweeted it, it was like, you know, it's really hard to care about your sport when the finals are being shown on the Weather Channel.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh wow!
2: So I had to dig for a Stanley Cup game the other night, and that yeah. Was...
3: <laughs> so I mean, it's I don't know. It'll get there, but cur- and it's cur- like currently, I don't care very much about hockey. I,
0: I have to be able to see the ball or puck in this case in play. I just can't follow it, and it and I just get bored.
1: Well, didn't they used to have like a trail on it on TV so that you could see it? The and they, puck. And they got rid of it in like the early two thousands. I think. Yeah,
2: it used the same technology as um the yellow line in um the yellow line in football. There's a great video from Vox on YouTube um, about how both of those things work. Um, basically they just turned this field into a green screen and like project the line or the puck onto it. So it was very interesting. But... I think they
1: I think they should bring that back or at least like have a beginner mode that you could toggle on and off on the broadcast.
2: Yeah, I think you can track. it. I think now with HD, like a, with good HD TVs, it's easier. Um, my friend gave me a pro tip to watch the net, not the puck, when someone takes a
0: shot.
3: That's fair. That's a good one. That's a good. I approach. just
0: wait for people to cheer. That's usually what I know.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: fair. that's also a good one.
2: But yes, that's how I. That's how I feel about. <laughs> About hockey, I don't. I'm not bitter towards hockey. I'm bitter towards hockey fans.
3: Fair.
2: All right, now pretty good stuff from at life is Annabelle, Drake Pusha. Oh. All right, who wants to take it? Since I since I talked about Daytona, someone else take this one.
1: I did not listen. So
3: so uh, so I didn't I didn't listen to Daytona, but I did listen to Infrared, um, which basically. Uh, it was the last track, I believe it was the last track on Daytona. It one. was,
2: and you really should listen to um, Daytona because if you know, you know has been stuck in my head since I listened to that <laughs> track, but keep going.
3: So, so, Push basically took shots at Drake for having uh, Ghost writers for however long or whatever, and specifically mentioned Quentin, um, which I can't remember his full name, but it, it is a producer that was the one who was, uh, I think, credited with... I, I, there was, like, a, a thing that came out whenever Running Through the Six came out that uh, that Quentin was the one that wrote that song. And so uh, there was this whole thing where Pusha was going at uh, Drake for having ghostwriters, and then Drake comes back with I'm Upset. Uh, or, no, sorry, uh, or whatever. Uh, the Dumpy, Dumpy freestyle, freestyle. Dumpy Freestyle, whatever. He goes, the audacity.
0: <laughs> the nerve, the audacity.
3: The nerve, the audacity. Uh, and basically takes these, like... Not it's not like he goes below the belt on anything, but you know, uh, says that Pusha, uh, or, or isn't as uh, hard of a person as he thinks he is or projects himself to be. That he's actually approachable. He uh, say "You're a
2: nice guy." He's actually a nice guy. He's not a he's
3: not all this this mean mugging, thug. And um, there was another thing that he said. He said that he was like the fifth best talent on his own label or something like. Uh, so like soft shots, basically, like you know, but it was to,
2: it was all jokes, and everyone. I think everyone on Twitter agreed that Drake won that round.
3: Yeah, so, and so like he tre- he treated Pusha like he tweet like he treated Meek, like he treated Meek Mill when they had their beef. He was trying to play the social media game, and uh, and get the jokes out and get the laughs out, and and you know try and put this away. But little did Drake know that he was. <laughs> beefing with an actual demon. <laughs> <laughs> this man... See, he, from
2: the see,
0: underworld. Pusha T did something from that Meek didn't, and he actually responded to him. See, what
3: happened was, Pusha heard that, so Drake was like, haha, like jokes, you know, you're not even that funny, or you're not even that good, and, you know, you're actually a nice guy, and Pusha came back and said, your mom is lonely, your dad's a Steve Harvey suit-wearing dude, he's a bum, uh, your friend is dying, and uh, you're hiding a child.
2: <laughs> he said something like, what's up with 40, tick, tick, tick.
3: I was like, Whoa. "Yo, Oh, yeah. For, and
0: then, those that don't, and then...
3: for, for those that don't know, so 40 is, is Drake's producer, and he has MS. Yeah. And so he is very much uh, unhealthy. and
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Push a, like, that was... I think that was the deepest thing. Even, I mean, you could say that like, the stuff with his parents. Like He he name-dropped both Dennis uh, and Sandy Graham, which are his parents. Because uh, Drake dropped Virginia Williams, who is Pusha T's fiance, on Aaron W Freestyle. Aaron, stop yawning into the mic. Um, I'm
1: tired, sorry.
0: So, I mean, Pusha T just took it to an extra level and, and he called out OVO40s like, illness gets going on. I just thought that was extremely disrespectful. That's just...
3: As the kids say, that was out of pocket. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but and we're over here laughing because also, also, just the the amount of memes that came from this. Like, there's one of uh, Steve Harvey looking at him, his phone. He's like, what's wrong with my suits? <laughs>
3: <laughs> and it's like, wow, your dad left you when you were five. Your mom is almost 70 and she's lonely. And... You it didn't rap it. Said it. You are hiding a child.
0: <laughs> um.
3: Which you
2: all know. Of this with the
0: um. The we didn't cover even talk about the that most... song being Drake yeah.
2: in blackface. Yeah. A real picture of Drake in blackface.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like that might be the worst part of it all.
3: I don't. Th- I, you see, I would argue that the fact that Pusha basically ruined Drake's upcoming clothing line. By saying that his son deserves more than an Adidas press run, and uh, for those that don't, also don't know that, appa- apparently uh, Drake's son's name is uh, uh, Adonis, and he was going to unveil a clothing line uh, with Adidas um, that was going to basically reveal the fact that he had a child, like he had a son, um, and he was going to be in the fo- like in the photos, uh, set sell- like like uh, pubbing. The new clothing line or whatever and it was going to be called, I think it was like Adidon, added I don't know, Adidas yeah, something or something like that. and um, basically Pusha came out before it even happened and said, hey your son deserves more than Adidas press run, basically uh, ruining the entire thing before it happens which is wild because the only way that this guy that Pusha could have known all of that is if like either Ye told him or somebody else higher up at Adidas told him so, I don't know, man. That's It's just all now, wild.
0: Now, if we're getting technical, uh, let's see. Oh, so, in, in this is me because I'm getting technical. He says, your music for the past few years has been angry and full of lies. But at the end of the song, he kind of gets to the chuckle part where he's like, and you talking about you upset because that's a reference to I'm upset, which was like the pre- the preliminary response to it. And he's like, but I want to see what it's like when you get angry, where he just said his whole music's been angry.
2: Well, he's saying that he wasn't angry. Someone's writing his angry. I think that one of the worst parts is, so his son is, um, his the baby mom is a softcore porn star. So yes. he says in the song, forget she's a porn star, let her be your world. Yuck. <laughs>
3: Yuck. He just... <laughs> No, what was so the other? He said, "Respectful." He said, "Let that boy come home." <laughs> <laughs> I was, so, but, I was dead. Dis- and,
0: but he's like, since since you're gonna name drop my fiance, let him know who you picked as your fiance.
3: Yeah, man, it was. Oh, oh god, yo, push us from uh, Northern Virginia. You don't, you don't mess with that man. He's from Norfolk.
0: Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm, don't touch that. Nope. So, in my clever wit, witty response, pusha spilt his tea.
3: Yeah, most definitely. And
0: push a you know, what,
3: what do you? What do you even do at like if you're Drake? What do you even do at that at this point? Like, what if, can you do?
2: Here's the thing: if he doesn't respond and then Pusha, because he says at the end he has more.
3: <laughs> yeah, he says he has. He's ready to to, to come back at Drake if he come if he responds because he has more.
2: I think the worst thing that could happen is Drake doesn't come back with anything and then Pusha T comes out with a song called Back to Back.
0: Oh. (laughs) That could, oh. And
2: then just eviscerates him more. I
0: mean, I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a back to back type song already ready Oh,
2: he wrote it six months ago. He's been waiting (laughs) for this. But, I, I
0: was
3: going to say, because here's the thing, because Pusha T has been coming at the guys that have been at the top for a while and this is, I didn't personally know this. This was me listening to the Jenkins and Jones podcast, which you should. Great you
2: should, podcast, by the way, please great listen podcast.
3: to it. You should follow them at, at Dragonfly Jones at LeJethro Jenkins on Twitter. Um, but they were talking about how Pusha T has been going at all the top guys for a long time. Like he tried to start beef with uh, with Lil Wayne when he was at the top of his game in the early 2000s. He was trying to, I'm pretty sure that he was trying to go at Jay-Z when he was at the top of his game. But the thing was that none of them responded. And Drake was the first one to take the bait, and he felt, like, Pusha was always ready to clap back in case anyone ever came at, ever responded, and, and he, he came ready this time. He was ready to bat this time. So, like, he came with receipts.
0: <laughs> yeah. The other thing that was disrespectful, when he was talking about OVO40 and the tick, 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 but he also tagged the 666 uh, ad-lib that is in a lot of Drake's songs. Mm-hmm. At that one point, can take his own stuff. That it was, it made for a great he week of Twitter. How
2: much time he got? That man is
0: six six six, six, six <laughs> on that devilish flow with the six six six, six with, but with the with Drake's tagline like, "Wow, wow." Also, so Quentin,
2: no one cares about your mixtape. Get out of here. <laughs> let the in yeah. play.
0: Let the, Quentin, let the no let
2: one the. cares.
3: <laughs> the, that was the other funniest thing about Drake's <laughs> response in Dumpy Freestyle. He was like, "Hey." I helped that guy quit. Now he was over here bagging groceries at Kroger, and I, I let him make beats for me. <laughs> Leave that guy alone. Leave Brittany alone. He was eating. He was eating food out of the trash can before I let him make beats for me. <laughs> All
2: right, we gotta move on. But good lord, that it's been a fun week on Twitter.
3: Oh, it's been fantastic.
1: All right, let's talk solo. Yeah. Two segments in a row that I'm taking off. I still have not seen the film. I might as well get out of here. I'm at 3%. And there's nothing else after this.
3: Well, did not the game start at 8?
1: Yeah. Alright, I'll see y'all next week. Bye.
0: <laughs> send me all <laughs> stuff. He is walking out then. of this podcast.
1: <laughs> I mean, there's nothing literally nothing else left for me to contribute.
0: <laughs> well then, okay, bye. Tell <laughs> me bye. I'm Ryan. <laughs>
2: Bye. Bye. All right. Well, here we are.
3: Well, now that he's gone, (laughs) we can do the real section, which is talk crap about Aaron.
2: (laughs) No, okay, Mav, you can go ahead.
0: But before we get into this, obviously we have kept this to the end because this is heavy spoilers. If you have not seen Solo, a Star Wars story, I would advise you to skip this point until you have seen the film and then come listen to us talk about our thoughts in a more spoilery fashion. And
2: yeah, I'll show blah, 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 own. at Never Made pie uh, radius on iTunes, or at me, whatever.
0: I want to talk, so. Star- uh, with any and Star Wars generally, with anybody who wants to talk it. So, send us your responses after what all we talk about. Alright. So.
2: You can go first, since you're the most passionate about
0: it. I enjoyed the movie. Had a great time. And I thought it was a a welcome addition to the Star Wars universe. Uh, like just going from the beginning, Which, like I enjoyed Corelia. What did y'all think about Lady Proxima?
3: Um, I thought that she was gonna be a player, like in the actual movie. I thought she was gonna have a callback or be a villain later in the in the, in the movie. So I tried to keep her in the back of my mind, but she never actually showed up later. Um, so I don't know how to feel about it. Uh, I thought I guess, she was
2: fine. She, was she a fun her little... Fun little five She's, minutes.
3: Yeah. She, she served her purpose. Um, I was just... I guess it was... I, I thought that she was going to come back for something. So I kind of kept that in my head.
0: Uh, the only thing that got me is that afterwards someone said she sounded like the woman from Monsters, Inc. And now I can't <laughs> stop thinking about it.
3: <laughs> That's fantastic.
0: <laughs> and now I can't not think about that when I hear her voice. Uh, but enjoyed the first part of the... I think I'll... Because I liked it so much, let's just go ahead and get the first thing out of the way that I did not like. I did not care for the storyline of how Han Solo got his name. Don't get me started. At all. I, I, I <laughs> you already, I you already I, had your
3: beef with that, Colby. I,
0: I cringed in the theater when that happened. I was just waiting for him to just say, "For when he goes up to the Imperial officer and he has to tell him his name, I, I was just hoping he said Han Solo. And he said, Han. He's like, well, who are your people? He's like, I don't really have anybody. And he's like, hmm. Solo. Han Solo. Here you go. I was like
3: I wish he would have like come up with it on his own. Like I would be like Han Solo. Yeah. Be like, ah, weird name, but all
0: right. And so I would have bought that better. And so now a lot of people take criticism with that because now going into the entire universe, it just has so many ramifications. First off, Han Solo kept the name that the empire gave to him, someone who's never really had love for the empire who only joined to get out of Corellia and to save his skin so that he could get back to Kira. Secondly, his son kept the name. Yeah, right. And then ultimately, his son's entire name is of two things that don't matter. He didn't know Ben Kenobi that well, and uh, Solo, which is a name given by the Empire.
2: My beef with it. Okay,
0: let me. Here we go.
2: Here we go. Okay, so for me, world building is something that really matters to me when I'm watching a story. Especially if it's something like, I won't call Star Wars fantasy, but like something with as heavy as heavy world building like a fantasy world, like a sci-fi world, like Star Wars. Something like that, I really get invested in world building. I feel like his name being Solo destroys the world building. Almost as bad as them talking about the Alamo in Bright kills all... Well all of bright is terrible, but kills the story the world building there. So, if his last name is Solo, that means that solo is a borrowed word from Italian, which means that Italy is also a place in this universe, which means that Italian is also there to give English the word solo, but this happened long ago in the galaxy far, far away, which so there is no earth one can imagine. Well- Keep in mind. And also it's just corny. Like my if you look at something like Game of Thrones, they never talk about what language they're saying. When they're talking in their language, they call it the common tongue. If it's not the common tongue, it's Dothraki or something else. I feel like having his name be solo when you hear other languages in the film that aren't Earth languages, it really bothers me.
0: Absolutely. Like I said, it has its own thing, like how in Game of Thrones where it's common tongue. In Star Wars, it's Galactic Basic. And I think it, it's just, a, I would consider it like an all-encompassing thing for English and variants of English and borrowed words, I guess, for the language. Uh, but no, there's definitely like other languages. I, I sort of like get that point, but i that doesn't really affect me as much, I don't think.
2: Also, it's just corny. I didn't like it. No, I i, yeah, I just I didn't, I didn't care. Like
0: I, I didn't need that. I, I, it would have been very much fine if he just said his name was Han Solo and, and went forward with it. I thought that would have been just fine. But, so let's go to, I think, one of my favorite parts. Uh, so Han Solo goes to, joins the Imperial uh, Flight Academy, but gets kicked out and then becomes an infantryman who is sent to the planet of Minbon uh, in the takeover of the planet Minbon. Uh, that's where we find all those explosions and his captain gets blown up right in front of him. Yep. Uh, that was kind of cool shot. Uh, but then he meets he, he meets the the smuggling crew that he eventually gets uh, in touch with. But they sort of get him into a sticky situation where he has to fight the beast, and the beast turns out to be none other than Chewbacca. And I thought that was a great scene of the movie.
2: I thought it was fun. Him and Chewie fighting it out.
0: Yeah. Uh, and like, I didn't, I didn't... their chemistry throughout the movie was awesome. But that's what it was a great start for it.
3: I didn't need it to be super serious. It was lighthearted. It was Mm -hmm. probably, in my opinion, the most Star Wars-y moment in that entire Mm -hmm. movie. Like, classic Star Wars-y moment in that movie. Like, having a tinge of seriousness, but lighthearted enough to feel fun. Absolutely. And, you know, when he started speaking, uh, what is it, Kashiki? It's
0: Shriwook is the language of the
3: Okay. Um started speaking the language i was like oh that's fantastic
0: yes <laughs> like i <So> loved it <laughs> i wanted to get y'all's opinions on that because i think this is another controversial thing i really enjoyed that and i thought it was hilarious that han spoke Wookiee to chewy the one in his first interaction with him what did you think colby uh
2: it was fine it I understand why people thought like when it when the when he first started I thought oh this is a little corny but as it kept going I was like okay yeah, never mind it's funny it's campy it's yeah. for sure campy but I I thought it was good
0: because how I saw it is that he did it because the two imperial officers were above him and they were spectating this whole thing even and until that point this thing is truly is trying to kill him like they're not friends like, this thing is actually trying to fight him and kill him. And so he does that in order to, like, gain his trust and, like, calm him down. And speaking in basic and telling him about this plan, the the uh, the stormtroopers could have heard it, and otherwise Chewie wouldn't have cared. So doing that was a way to connect with him and able to hatch the plan to escape.
3: I mean, I enjoyed it. I mean, I thought it was...
0: I I enjoyed it. I thought it was hilarious, I thought it was fun. and yeah. Alden doing his best to do that, and that was a lot. But th- going through the whole movie, I thought the dynamic between Alden Ehrenreich and Jonas Swatemo, uh, who is the new Chewbacca, like it was a awesome chemistry. I thought, and it was just wonderful throughout the movie. I'd never had any problems associating that uh, that duo.
2: I think no. how how I think this lines up is mav liked it the, the most than david than me yeah probably probably you i just okay here here are my problems i'm looking at the message i sent to the group me because it was long um i hate these dice i really hate them i feel like they didn't matter until the last jedi and now they zoomed in on these dice like four times in the movie, and I don't recall a time before the Last Jedi where the dice were this important.
3: It feels like the Last Jedi was a setup for the dice.
2: Yeah, and like I, I just I don't care. I, 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 <laughs> I like I wish I cared, but I don't care. I would
0: credit that. I think that was a thing where, and and we need to talk about this as well. Where, and at the very end, because with all this controversy with the director changes, with Lord and Miller going to Ron Howard, I definitely I would be willing to bet that the Lord Miller version probably had a bigger plot point with the dice and maybe have given them a little more significance and Ron Howard took it out.
2: I disagree. I think it's the other way around. I think that the Ron Howard cut focused more on the dice because I feel like, I know in a lot of the first screenings of The Last Jedi they were, um, people were confused about the dice. They're like, where do these dice come from? Because they, really they aren't for me, who's probably the most casual fan of Star Wars, I didn't know the dice existed <laughs> until The Last Jedi. So I think a lot of people were confused by that. Um, so when they were recutting and doing some reshoots, they focused more on the dice to say, this is what was given to Leia at the end of The Last Jedi. Well, that's, at least that's what I took from
0: Well, it. that's what I'm saying. Like Maybe I think with Lord Millet it might have been a bigger plot point. Whereas this, they they made it less of a point. And so they just had these little moments where they had to be like, hey, remember these. Instead of having an actual storyline that explains what its significance is, that's just how I took it. But I, I understand. I don't. I don't think it ended out turned out to be a very significant part of the story or anything like that. It's just a lucky uh, thing of dice that Han carries with him. Another,
3: um, I mean. Uh, I mean, Kobe. You're probably going to get into this as well, but uh, I might be skipping a few points for you. But uh, another thing that I think that the movie suffers from is. Uh, uh, a Case of the Rogue One, which is... Uh, can,
2: can we save that? Characters.
3: Save that? Okay, alright, go save for it. Save
2: that. for. I have one more thing before that. Um,
3: okay, go
2: for it. I, I like Alden Ehrenreich. I think he's a good actor. Um, But I liked him and Donald Glover the best when they weren't doing Harrison Ford and Sweet D impressions. I feel like when they were doing their own interpretations of Han Solo and um, Lando Calrissian... I think those were the best versions because they aren't the same people. They, 10 years, 30, 40 years down the line. um, And you can tell sometimes that Alden was trying to do an impression and it just, it fell flat for me. Yeah. Um,
0: I mean, I understand that.
2: But so now, go ahead, Mav.
0: I definitely think there was like sometimes where he's imitating, but also sometimes where he's like making his own version. Uh, and I think that was a big thing with the cast because they revealed that. I'm, are you all aware of Anthony and Gruber? No. You probably have seen him before on, like, in the Facebook videos and stuff like that. He looks exactly like a, a young Han Solo. And he also kind of looks like a young Robin Williams. And he does impressions. And he does it, like, excellent. He's even made his own fan movie of Han Solo. And he actually auditioned for the role. But they ultimately decided to go with Alden because Anthony was just all about impressions. And so, like, I understand, like, I, I was glad that, uh, I definitely think that Donald Glover stole the show as Lando, and I really enjoyed uh, him being making a young Lando. Uh, but I also understand your point, like, the impressions you could tell when they were trying to just act like their predecessor.
2: Um, so now the Rogue One point that, um, David, you can hit.
3: Yeah, so the, the one thing that Kinda like the only thing that kind of bothered me through this film was that the fact that it suffers from the same thing that Rogue One suffers from, which is too many underdeveloped characters dying, which is fine, but they tried to make them have emotional weight and it just didn't work like all the characters like I'm fine with killing characters off that's not a problem, but don't make it don't pretend like they're supposed to have some kind of emotional weight to them when they've been on screen for maybe ten minutes yeah.
0: And so I'm assuming you're talking about Rio, uh, which is the four-legged Ardenian. uh, Val, who's the woman that plays Maeve in Westworld. And then... Fanny Newton. Fanny Newton, sorry. Oh my God, yeah. Uh, And then L3. uh, See,
3: even L3, like... Even L3, I think L3 went a little bit too soon for me. If she would have lasted a little bit longer, I would have felt the weight a little bit more. Um... And, but yeah, mostly, uh, mostly I'm talking about that, that first sequence, uh, their first heist where the, where those two, uh, was it two characters die?
0: Yeah, uh, it was two. It was Rio and Val died, uh, on the, during the train heist in in the second act. Uh,
3: Exactly. I understand. And they they try to build it up as like, oh, this like emotional moment, like, ah, his, his partner, like the one that the woman that he loves, uh, is, 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 is dying. She's sacrificing her life. And it's like,
0: um... <laughs> no, I understand that. And I, I definitely think they could have developed more. I would also attribute that to all the directing changes. Because uh, Ron Howard was talking about like all the reshoots and stuff. And I forgot who else... I think it was... Uh... Oh, why? Uh... Oh, gosh. Well, someone was talking about it. And they, had, they shot that train sequence and reshot it over the course of an entire year.
2: Yeah, I remember hearing that too.
0: And so they might have changed things up for that. That's the only thing I would say about that. But again, yeah. it, it it was definitely I think a weaker point of the movie is that they didn't develop these characters cuz they were big parts of the marketing campaign in the in the trailers. Uh but then they ended up having ultimately short roles, and I think that was a little I, disappointing.
2: I'm not sure if y'all y'all talked about this, but cuz I had to step out real quick. Um but another thing is like, you know who's going to make it to the end, so the story in the middle better be good. Yep. Um, like you know, Kira's not going to die or she's not going to disappear, um, on Corellia because Kira has the dice. You know that she has to get them back to, to um, get the get them back to Han at some point. So until then, she's going to stay alive. And once he gets them back, she is dispensable. Whether she's going to leave or where she's going to die, you know that she's not going to make it to sure. the next no, the next known stage of the movies, which for Han is episode four. Yeah. So you know she's leaving at some point, so you better make that leave, give it a punch, and I didn't, I personally, I didn't feel it. And,
0: and I, that's, that's understandable. Uh, but before moving on, I definitely want to say, I, it, in a small way, I think they did give a lot of depth to L3s going out, because uh, they have to, install her into the falcon
3: right and i I, to I, total, I totally see how that works out with how and
0: falcon that's why lando loves the ship so much more now because yeah uh it makes
2: han heartless
0: yes <laughs> <laughs> and also it sort of it, that goes to the i showed you all the quote uh, that they put up where the, when 3po is talking to the falcon when the hyperdrive is messed up that it has a a weird dialect and i think that's a reference now to l3 so Elthi was probably barking at C three PO, telling him to stop being incompetent and fix the thing.
3: I have one thing before we move on. Do y'all feel like this might have just been me? But I felt like Han was like slightly too wide eyed, bushy tailed for me. Like he was a little too optimistic. Oh, well, I it's think like,
0: I think they were I, doing I, that I, to I, contrast, and they're, they're right, like there had to be something that happened that changes him.
3: I never saw the transition from that young Han to the Han we know in episode 4. So unless they're just uh, hoping that they're we're supposed to fill in that gap uh, with, with our our own imagination. and With
2: you know, whatever happened with well, Jabba the Hutt. Or yeah, well,
0: yeah, yeah. Because what we're going to talk about later, I think they were planning on having a sequel, but that's probably going to be the ending conversation, is that with the box <laughs> office, I don't think... I want to see a sequel, and I'll, I'll we'll talk about that at the very end. But I think they kept things open for that because... And I'll, we'll talk about that later because I want to get back to the last thing about the train heist was that I think the best thing about it and one of the underrated parts of this movie was Empress Nest as a character.
3: I, could, I, yeah. I
2: wish the movie was about her.
0: I loved Empress Nest. Yeah, she was Nest super interesting. And it, I thought it was a really pleasant twist that she they described her as this pirate and like this horrible person. But then you find out that she's a rebel and she's one of the grassroots like creators of the Rebellion. And I thought that was a really nice twist uh, to begin the third act.
3: And it kind of sets up Han's, uh, I don't want to say tendency, but his uh, willingness to help out the good guys Mm -hmm. in there. It kind of sets up that he has this, he's not quite the scoundrel that he tries to play off that he is in episodes four, five, six.
0: No. Like one of the best things I thought was, is that the conversation with Kira where she's like, I'm the only person in the universe that knows what you actually are. And she's like, you're the good guy. I thought that was one of the, the most powerful things.
3: Yeah, I can and, see that.
0: And it, it gives a lot of foreshadowing to Han Solo to come. Uh, so, definitely enjoyed Impass Ness's theme. That was a cool theme.
3: Oh yes, it was. indeed. Yeah. So that was one thing I mentioned when I came out of the theater. Was like, hey, I really appreciate the use of like a of a choir uh, for Impass Ness's uh, theme because it was very very uh, striking.
2: But one weird thing with the music here is that we got a diegetic use of um, the Imperial March.
0: Yes, I, right. I noticed that it was like in a major key, was it not? Or it's in a different. I'm not key? sure if
2: it was in a major key, but it was like
0: it was made a to sing
2: sa- in the universe. It was
0: made to sound more upbeat because it, in a lot of these interplanetary systems, the Empire was actually heavily supported, and so like it was the <coughs> is kind of like making it sound like it was a good thing and a lot of people supported
3: it what you're saying is that they actually used it in the universe not just for the soundtrack
2: yeah which i
3: uh, i don't know uh, how i I don't know how i felt about that either
0: uh, i i think i really enjoyed it just because it's like a little thing like it was showing how they manipulated the public opinion
3: like i don't know if that's a fun little reference that they're they're putting in like a little easter egg or if it's supposed to be like hey the imperial like we have like horns and instruments and there's an imperial theme. That we play for propaganda, and I was like, I don't know how I feel about that.
2: So let let's talk about because we're running long, but I'm okay with this being long. Um, let's talk about the the HFS moment at the at the <laughs> well, end of the movie. Before that, Kira. another
0: another criticism was the obvious turn by Beckett. Like I, that was way too predictable for me. Uh, but then we get to yes, this moment after Kira kills Dryden and tells Han to go get Beckett. Uh, and then we find out that Kira indeed is working for someone higher than Dryden Voss. And it turns out to be none other than. Darth Maul. Darth Maul. Oh Maul, my gosh. Not Darth Maul. It's Sorry, just, just Maul now. It, it's just Maul. Just Surprise
2: boy. Ray Park in this movie.
0: And voiced by Sam Witwer.
2: Who vo- voices him in Rebels? Rebels That's and the,
0: the Clone Wars.
3: And the Clone Wars. So, nice little uh, nice little uh, setup right there. For, guys,
0: uh, my jaw dropped.
3: Well, because, okay, so what happened was, I was in the theater, and I saw the legs. And I was like, wait a second. Like, I saw the mechanical legs, and I was mm-hmm. like, really? And then he, he put back the hood, and I was like, no.
0: Oh, I my jaw dropped. I was not expecting that in the slightest. Like, before the hologram came up, I thought it was either the emperor... I thought it could have been Boba Fett. I thought it could have been Jabba. But they had already alluded to Jabba with the, the job on Tatooine. Uh, right. But then I, I did. all I needed to hear was Sam Witwer's voice. And I was like, is this who I think it is? And then he pulled the hood over. I think... And oh my gosh.
3: And I did have... No, a, I was just going to say, go I, ahead, I think Colby.
2: this is another point where Mav and I disagree about this movie. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, go for it. I mean, I was just gonna say I really dug how he used, how he uh how he had a he they switched up the lightsaber for the one that he uses in uh is it Rebels? It's in it Rebels. That's his, in Rebel. That's the
0: lightsaber he uses in Rebels. And I yes,
2: I know this is so contradictory to what I say about the Marvel movies, but I but okay, no, here I just made a difference in my head. Um, the Marvel movies expect you to see all. 18 movies before seeing infinity war because infinity war is the is the season whatever season finale i don't think it should be seen as season finale but whatever it's a culmination, the of, culmination all these of all of those movies this is not a culmination of everything that we've seen so far so having to go through and watch three or four seasons of um clone wars and then however many seasons of rebels i don't care i at this point i don't care that Maul's alive but that's just me. Meanwhile, Mav, who has seen all of these things, go ahead.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, now, it's speaking for a lot of people who like not to say that it's bad, that they don't, but people who would, this was very much a fan service movie overall. There was a lot of very referential things. Uh, they even referenced the village that is depicted in the Disney park coming soon.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Wait, what? I missed
0: that. The location, whatever the place is called in Disney World, the name of that park is, was referenced in Solo. L3 was talking to that about Lando, that he couldn't even make it past that uh, in the ship. Or it, it, she had mentioned it at one point. She, they had mentioned some, some R. Singh, who was a bounty hunter that was very prevalent in Clone Wars, uh, and then bringing back Maul into the film canon. I will say, doing so confused a lot of people. Uh, I know a lot of people that I know that were very confused about it. Some people thought that this was actually taking place before Episode One because they're like, "Well, Maul's dead, so this was taking place before. That means Han must be a hundred years old." But it's it, I, and so it confused some people. Some people didn't understand why he was alive, and so I just think that it encouraged people to go in the canon. But I also think that at the same time, you don't have to, but it's going to make you understand the universe a lot better and it's going to make you understand these things as it comes up uh and that is something that i think a lot of fans uh who watch and invest in all the canon are asking for is that they tie things into the entire universe like they do in the marvel See, universe I, I think that like subtly
2: instead of doing that stuff as like a throw-in at the last minute in one of these movies which i feel like this was Go ahead and, like I said last week, make a whole movie about the black saber. Make a whole movie about something that happened, like maybe a B plot in um, Rebels or Clone Wars. Like, show me all of that instead of throwing something in of this. I'd be much more interested in something that has nothing to do with the Skywalker saga than a throwaway line at the end of a uh, what in the end of a movie like this.
0: Well, I think you will begin to see those things in these new trilogies coming up, the Benioff and Weiss trilogy that's slated, the potential Ryan Johnson trilogy, if that still becomes a thing, uh, the John Favreau TV show that's coming soon. Uh, I think with the more series that, and the more things that they start tacking on to the universe, they might start doing those kind of things. Uh, I just personally really enjoyed that this is one of the first times where they took things that is in like what you consider the secondary canon, but if by being in this new regime, it's canon and that it should be treated as if it is real and that it did happen. And so it's encouraging people to go to branch out. It might be so, a marketing spot or to get people to go do like consume more of their content. But at the same time, it's connecting the universe.
3: So I don't know. Cause uh, like, I mean, I don't know if we want to wrap this conversation up, but I was kind of bringing this, bringing it to this point where it's like, why do y'all think that this did as, like, why the movie did as poorly at the box office as it actually did? Because, like, going into this movie, like, I don't think any of us were feeling very good about it. I mean, maybe Maverick, but, like, we we're all... You no, know, like, even uh, I
0: was skeptical. Yeah, like,
3: with, this has the potential to be a train wreck. Yeah. And so, just with all the production issues, all the rumors that were coming out that they had to do all these reshoots, um, the fact that, um, Han's actor needed to take acting lessons, you know, director changes, uh the date getting pushed back, um, and the fact that they didn't even really start marketing this movie until like, what, like three months before it yeah, came out? Yeah, three months,
0: two months before. And so, so it's like,
3: and add on top of that, nobody really asked, nobody really asked for a Han Solo movie.
0: That's, that's the, I think that's one of my biggest things. Uh, so I think there's not a single thing that you can point it to. I think it was just a perfect storm of things. Uh, and, first and off, not ahead, a lot Keanu. of people asked for a Han Solo movie. Yes, Han Solo, movie, Han Solo is one of the most beloved characters in Star Wars, but I don't think people were lining up to see a movie about Han Solo like they would The Force Awakens so, or Rogue, one of the saga films. Rogue
2: One opened uh, at uh, 155 million um, when it came out. Solo opened at 84 million.
0: With a Monday total with Memorial Day it gotcha. ended up being about 100. But still
2: they were projecting about 200.
0: Yeah, it definitely came up short of totals. So first off, I think it was just that not a lot of people were interested. Uh, this was not a this was a non saga film, and uh, these movies I think are by, by design are not meant to have the hype of a saga film, so it naturally attracted a lower base. Secondly, uh, I think there was a lot of backlash with the Last Jedi. Uh, and being only five months from the release of The Last Jedi. Uh, possibly one of the most divisive and polarizing Star Wars films to date. And there is a sect of the, of the fan base that is deeply frustrated and deeply concerned with the state of the universe at this point. And several of them just have decided that they do not want to watch Star Wars films until something has changed. I think there, those particular group of people decided not to go see movie. And then some of that bled over into a boycott solo campaign, uh, in order to further like that sort of idea, uh, and I think that definitely also caused things. So I, I, I think it was a lot of things to take into account as to why it didn't. It wasn't successful. Yeah,
2: I don't know. It was just like the worst possible mixture of events.
0: And. And we're not even getting into the director's changes, the reshoots, and that helped, and that made like the general consensus about it that this wasn't going to be a good movie. Not just that; we we just heard
2: more than usual about the production, like director changes happening, action, uh, acting lessons happened in the course of a movie. We just don't hear about them. So I I think that absolutely because for whatever Uh, reason this this production was so transparent, um, I think that also played a part but we should also start wrapping up and giving scores.
0: I think yeah, I think that's why I got such a kick out of the movie is that like I kept all of my expectations in check based off the all the negative publicity that it got and I just had a I had a fun time at the movie. It wasn't a masterpiece. It I don't think Star Wars needs to be an Oscar level performance. I got I was talking about that last week to be a good Star Wars film. It's not my favorite Star Wars film, it's not my worst or my least favorite, uh, and, uh, wait a second, I had some things I had, uh,
3: Well, why, well while you're looking for that, I mean, I was gonna say, I, along the same points, I agree with that completely, like, it's not one of my least favorite, it's also not my favorite, um, and I think a lot of the issues that we saw with this movie in terms of, like, box office performance may have a lot to do with the fact that, uh, there's a lot of Star Wars, they might be a lot, like, like, there might be some Star Wars fatigue. Like, you can make the same argument for Marvel, except for, for Marvel never had a, Marvel never had a, uh, a, a what am I trying to say? They, they didn't have any prior history um, with it. So, like, with Star Wars, it was like, you got a movie, three years later, you got another movie, three years later, you got another movie. Now we've had A Force Awakens, mm-hmm. The Last Jedi, what, Rogue two years Rogue One
2: later? in between that.
3: And then Rogue One in between those two, and then, you know, six months, what, is it six months after The Last Jedi?
0: I think we that was the biggest solo. thing. If you if this had been pushed back to December, I think that would have helped it out a lot. And being so close to a movie that divided the fan base, like it it hurt.
3: It needs some. Di- I think these movies need some distance from each other. Yeah. Like as much as Disney wants to make so much money off of stuff, like I don't think this is a Marvel thing where you can just pump out movies for money. Because I think that the fan base is now reacting to that in a very hot, like volatile way.
0: But I am afraid that they're going to be reactionary about this and, and start cutting all of these projects that are slated to like I, actually. But to say one, I am not excited for a Boba Fett movie that has been rumbling now that it is in development. I do no, not I, want I, that. I'm not either. Uh, but Obi Wan, that needs to be on. Put that on a on a film screen. Like See, that's what I'm interested in.
3: Like not everything needs to be its own movie. Not every yes. like some things you can leave to the imagination. That's okay. You not everything needs a backstory movie.
0: And so I do not want Lucasfilm to be scared away by the disappointment box office-wise of Solo. Because it was a perfect storm of just badness. But that's not that doesn't mean that every uh, non-saga film is going to have this result. Rogue One already proved that wrong. And so I, I don't want them to be uh, afraid of still doing a one-a-year Star Wars thing. They just need they just they just have to be better at communicating the Lucasfilm does and not having these sort of problems where we're losing directors, having to push back the dates uh, because of these issues and things like that. And just like being unified on what they're wanting to do. And that uh, I was, I watch Collider Jedi council on YouTube a lot. That's where I get a lot of my information. And uh, you know, they were talking about like how little it seems like Lucasfilm plans these things out. And I will give that that that's, a, I think, the criticism of the new Star Wars movies where why is this new trilogy not planned out from day one? Because it seems like where uh, episode seven, uh J.J. made his own film. Ryan made his own film rather than than having a linear story and the director following that story. But. Adding their I think some of that is JJ's joke. fault,
2: but okay we we we're going we're going really really long. And <laughs> if you want if you want to hear me talk more about that, leave us a question and I'll, we'll we'll talk about that next week. Um, but let's let's go final comments and ratings. Yeah. David, you first. I'll go next, and Mav last, so we end on a high note.
3: Cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I think I'll give it a solid six point five out of ten. It was fun. I had I enjoyed myself. I had my gripes with it, but. Uh, overall, I think it did a, a decent job of being a, a, a fun summer movie. So I'll give it a, I'll give it a um, 6.5. Again,
2: I, I like the movie. I, I really did. Um, I think that for a summer movie, I ate lots of popcorn, had had a nice soda. It was fun. Um, there are definitely problems with it. It it suffered from some second-act drag where there were some times I really just did not care about what was happening. Um, But... I did enjoy it. Um, I'll also give it like a 6.4, 6.45. It was was fine. It was fine. But, Mav, go ahead.
0: For context, Attack of the Clones is my lowest rated Star Wars film. That's my least favorite. It's a 7 out of 10. So, my least favorite Star Wars film is higher than your scores. Just because I love Star Wars so much. And that on its worst day, Star Wars... Being put on a screen for me gets a seven, just because I love the universe so much. Yes, it has problems. It's not a perfect movie. Not my favorite Star Wars movie, but I, do, I as a fan, do not need Star Wars to be perfect in order for me to like it. Uh, I gave it an eight point two out of ten, uh, which is kind of in the you, middle of the pack. What did you give? Uh, what did you give? Rogue One. Rogue One is actually like a little you... bit lower. I give. I gave it an eight. I just didn't like. It's definitely grown on me but uh, it did the for opposite as... for me it's gotten worse I
2: Okay, uh, I, I think the biggest difference between me and mav uh, is that mav is a star wars fan and i'm a movie fan that thinks a lot of the star wars movies
0: are good that could very well and to, to not that Mav doesn't myself, like movies i'm sure you I, love in movies. in december <laughs> i gave i do love movies but star wars i definitely get nerdy about yeah as you can tell uh I, I gave Last Jedi a 9.1. Uh, in December, it's now down to an
2: 8.8. If anything, Last Jedi has gone yeah, if, up. Yeah, oh, oh, I meant to say one more thing. One more thing, and then I promise I'll shut up because we're going on an hour and 40 minutes. Um, I think that had they leaned more into the more, for me at least, the more controversial parts of The Last Jedi where they leaned into the things that are Different about that movie, like making this its own thing. I think they played it really safe with Solo. I really think they should have gone the other way. That's just me.
0: I think they did. Uh, to be very quick, they did that to regain some of the the bottom line of Star Wars fans that felt offended by the, all the controversial things. Eight. But yeah, so yeah, it got an eight point two for me. I enjoyed it, and I will buy it and watch it more times.
2: All right, let's get Star out of Wars. here.
3: I will say that last. Jedi, so I was just gonna say that Last Jedi also has gone below a nine for me to, with with more time. But we could talk about. Oh amongst man, ourselves. If anything
2: has gone up for me. I really mm-hmm. love that movie. It's getting close to Empire Strikes Back. Okay, okay, okay. All right. If you if you want to find okay. us, you can right. do we'll that at, at tinyurl.com slash nevermadevarsity. Leave us a rating on iTunes. Anything you like or didn't like, be sure to let us know via our Twitter at Nevermadepod. Thank you, Jake, for the theme music. And I did this in one breath.
3: <laughs> Ooh, I'm Bye. impressed. Goodbye.